With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello, everybody. It's the Hockey News Podcast. The Zoom is here or the audio, depending on if you are watching or listening. It's Matt Larkin here with my fellow senior writer, Ryan Kennedy. And the playoff matchups are set. That's what some people will say because the playing around was not officially in the eyes of some playoffs. I don't know about you, but Ryan, I, I think those were playoffs. I'm considering them playoffs. The statistics counted. So to me, this is round two, but what do you think? I feel that if the, if you were in the qualifying round, then that was, that was playoffs. Maybe with the round robin, it felt like that wasn't quite playoff atmosphere, but I think if you can get eliminated from something, then it counts as postseason. That's fair. That's a good way to put it. And, you know, I, I have to admit that I, I was a round robin snob. I just couldn't, yes. I just couldn't get in into those games. They just didn't have the same intensity. And I found yeah. my eyes were glazing over for the round robin. And I'm sorry, round robin teams. I was prejudiced against you, but that's the way it goes. Now we'll find out if we are still prejudiced against the round robin teams when we make predictions for the series. We're starting for this podcast with the Eastern Conference. And we're going to do the new number one seed, the Philadelphia Flyers, who steamrolled through the round robin against the Montreal Canadiens, who pulled the upset, the very thing the Penguins were afraid of when they wanted a longer series format, the Carey Price stealing a series. It happened. So let's break down that series. Ryan, uh, let's start with the offense. Who do you give the edge to between the Flyers and Habs? Well, I certainly give the offense to the Flyers. When you look at the depth they have right now and, and just some of the top guns, what's very interesting to me in Philadelphia is how we've seen a, a slight changing of the guard with Travis Konechny being a go-to guy this season, uh, taking a bit of the pressure off Claude Giroux. And then of course you have Sean Couturier, you still have Jakub Voracek. Like they have a lot of nice weapons. You know, Scott Lawton has been a guy that I think has stepped up since we've returned from the pandemic. So they have a lot of nice weapons. And you know, when, when I look at Montreal, that's a team that clearly one against Pittsburgh on structure and goaltending. You know, they, they didn't have a lot of offense going. And, uh, you know, I, I think when you look at Montreal, they, they don't have a lot of really big weapons. They have some, some very nice two-way players like Philip Deneau. And then obviously Nick Suzuki uh, has been pretty great as a, as a rookie. But I, I like the Flyers when it comes to goal scoring. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think we saw – the Flyers really, they showed their depth. They had eight different guys score goals in three games in the round robin. And, you know, Jacob Voracek, his status is a little bit murky for game one. It sounds like he's going to be ready, but we don't know for sure. Uh, but you had guys like Scott Lawton stepping up and Joel Farabee putting the puck in the net and, and sort of getting, getting a chance to shine with increased roles as well. And I think the fact that, like, you know, I think you alluded to it before, that Konechny and Drew can be on different lines. There's multiple lines that can score. And, of course, from the back end, guys like Ivan Progrov can move the puck as well. So I do think the Flyers are more diverse in their attack. And it's interesting because you saw Kotkaniemi, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, and Nick Suzuki be two of the most dangerous forwards for the Habs, which is pretty exciting. But the big guns, Max Domi and Thomas Tatar, Jonathan Durant, big donuts against, against Pittsburgh, right? So the top players for the Habs, I don't think have the same ceiling as the top players for the Flyers on offense. So I agree. I give the edge to the Flyers on offense. Uh, for defense, it's interesting. I, I think both teams are 
strong, but what do you think? Yeah, I, I kind of consider this one a tie because I look at what Montreal was able to do against Pittsburgh and, you know, the performances they got from sort of under, uh, unsung heroes like Ben Sherratt um, playing on that tandem with Shea Weber. And then, you know, Jeff Petrie, I feel, is just always underrated. So he's always pretty solid. And then, again, you look at guys like Dano and Suzuki who can help both ways. It, it really made for a, a, a nice cohesive unit back there. On the other hand, you look at Philadelphia, and with Elaine Vigneault coaching, they've been a lot better defensively. You know, you get a lot more buy-in. They have more exciting young defensemen. Um, you know, I, I like what Travis Sanheim's been doing. And then, you, you know, you look at some of the more named guys like Ivan Provorov and, and Shane Goss's bear. Um, but I, I think overall, Philadelphia just has a lot more depth. Um, but you can't knock what the Habs have been doing. So I think for me, that one's a tie. I think this is going to be a pretty closely contested series if defense wins out. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm with you on that. I have them even as well. I think they're both strong defensive teams. I think the Habs were underrated defensively because Carey Price, strangely enough, didn't have a great season. But in terms of funneling chances and limiting chance quality, limiting shots, Habs were pretty good this year and I think they they remain so and I think the Flyers were excellent this year they we've talked about it before they improved dramatically under Alain Vigneault I think they're one of the better defensive teams in the league they really limit chance quality um and it's it's crazy against elite teams in the round robin the Flyers allowed 20.88 shots per 60 minutes at five on five the best of all 24 teams in the entire qualifying round and again it's crazy the Flyers that was against Tampa Boston and Washington that's how tight defensively the Flyers are playing right now but at the same time the Habs have got those elite defensive forwards Philip Deneau uh, the shots on the ice at five on five against Pittsburgh when Philip Deneau was on the ice were 38-21 for the Habs and Philip Deneau was matched up against Sidney Crosby for a lot of that series so I think he really showed how good he can be defensively in that series so I really like what both teams bring on that side of the puck so I, I, I call it even as well. Uh, goaltending is an interesting one because both have been fantastic. Carey Price it was the exact nightmare that the Penguins feared. 947 save percentage against them. But Carter Hart, 966 in the round robin. Again, against only elite competition. Um, at the same time, you know, I just touched on the Flyers uh, allowing so few shots. So workload quality, I think Price, what he did in the last round was more impressive than what Hart did. And we know the track record there with Price. So I'm going to give a slight edge just based on experience and experience being weathering a bigger storm. Uh, I'll say price, even though, you know, Hart is very impressive. I still think if you have to win a game, you want price over Hart. What do you think? Yeah, I would give a, a slight edge to price because there is that intimidation factor. I, I think Carter Hart is obviously one of the best young goaltenders in the game and uh, has you know proven himself so far. I, I think, if we're looking at the here and now, Carey Price has already been more battle-tested in the sense that he's been playing games that mattered more than Hart did. You know, did the Flyers get the best from the Bruins or, you know, the, the Caps uh, or, or even Tampa Bay? Who's to say? Um, but we know, we know Pittsburgh was doing whatever they could to, to win that. Obviously, they didn't do enough. Uh, but I feel like Carey Price just gets a little slight edge because he's played in more meaningful games in the past week or so. Okay, so far we're agreeing on every single element of this series. Intangibles is a weird one because I, I think this is bad news for the Habs because they had this kind of us versus the world, underdog, no pressure mentality against the really experienced Penguins. 
in the previous round, but the Flyers, they were kind of the underdog of the round robin. They were the underestimated team of the round robin. They're a young team, and they're kind of an upstart as well. They're further along in their development than the Habs, but I still think they also have that kind of gritty mentality, and I think the Flyers can play that, that grinding game. They can play so many different ways, so I don't know if Montreal has that kind of mental underdog edge this time. So uh, I don't know if the Flyers have an edge either, but I just think that that's neutralized in, in this series. So I don't see a big advantage for either team in the intangibles. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to give the intangibles to Philly simply because they've got Elaine Vigneault, and that's a, that's a guy you can rally around in a series against Montreal. I think they can say, like, we're, we're going to win this one for coach. And, and just stylistically, you know, I, I think defensively, Philly is going to be a lot better than uh, Pittsburgh was. They don't have Jack Johnson back there. You know, they, they don't have, uh, you know, like it was an off se- it was an off year for Justin Schultz. You know, Marcus Pedersen is, he's probably like a six or a seven uh, in a best case scenario. You know, they had a lot of guys that were playing bigger roles than they probably should be. Uh, whereas Philly, as we've talked about before, they have that depth and they have that structure under Vigneault. So I'm going to give Philly the intangibles based on sort of the Vigneault factor in general. Okay. So let's do some series picks. Uh, I'm going aggressive with this one. Uh, even though I know what the Habs did, I don't want to burst the bubble and turn my back on, on the upset that the Habs pulled, but it's more just a testament to how good Philly looked uh, in the round robin. Um, I, I know small sample size, but Philly was good in the regular season too. So it's not like it came out of nowhere. So I'm going to say Flyers in five games. Mm. I was going to go five, but I'm, I'm very conservative. So I'm going to say Flyers in six because Price could steal, you know, sort of a bonus game there. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on the same wavelength as you. Okay, so let's move on now to the rematch of the choke job of 2019, the Tampa Bay Lightning taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets. And it's kind of fun, I think, for Julian Brisebois as Lightning Jam. It's like you get to see directly if the changes you made you know, in a way to beat Columbus, like what was missing from the team last year, you get to find out uh, if you've made the right changes now because you're facing that same opponent, although a diminished version of the same opponent. Uh, And speaking of diminished, let's talk about offense. I see that being as a major edge for Tampa, even if, you know, we still know it's a big problem. Steven Stamkos, is he going to be ready? Victor Hedman, is he going to be ready? Even if you remove those two, even if the worst case scenario happens and neither guy plays the entire series, I still think Tampa has a firepower edge when it comes to, you know, Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point and Sergachev. Anthony Sorelli has shown a lot this year. Alex Kalorn career year. I think the Lightning just, they can do a lot more. We saw against the Leafs. It's not like Columbus won by scoring. They won by shutting down the Leafs. Uh, and they were not a, a potent offensive team. They have the fewest goals for per game of any team that was in the playoffs this year. So uh, I think that's a significant edge. I think it probably is the, the biggest edge that Tampa has in the series. Do you agree? Most certainly. And I mean, you, you nailed it right there. You know, Columbus does not have a Nikita Kucherov on their team. They don't have a Braden point. You know, they, they have guys like Cam Atkinson that, you know, we've seen put up big numbers uh, in the past, but again, that was also in the Artemi Panarin era. So, you know, with the blue jackets, I think, you know, they, they've got some intriguing guys, you know, you can toss in Oliver Bjorkstrand in that category as well, but they're, they're not big snipers, you know, with Tampa Bay, it's guys that, you worry about, you know, when you're trying to go to sleep at night, if you're a defenseman and I mean, that's their bread and butter. And we'll, you know, we'll get into Tampa Bay's flaws later on in this, uh, this synopsis, but you know, 
offense is not the problem on paper, at least. They, they've got the big guns. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, defensively, it's interesting. You know, it's, it's all about sometimes it's about team identity, right? So the Blue Jackets uh, are, are known. They have that defensive scrappy identity under John Tortorella. They did a really good job. You know, even though Corpus Allo and Ms. Lickens had great seasons, uh, they also, the chance quality all season long, Columbus did a really good job shutting down. And I think you can make a case that Seth Jones and Zacharinsky are the best all around pair in the NHL. If it's not them, they're, they're certainly in the discussion. And against, you know, a, a similarly structured team in a lot of ways, the Leafs with big time star forwards, I think they did quite a good job in that series. I think the Leafs scored, what, three, five and five goals in the series. And we saw the Columbus's ability to really collapse when they have a lead. They're one of those teams you don't want to be trailing against. Um, but at the same time, Tampa Bay, I think, underrated defensively. They were right up there with Columbus, pretty similar. If you look at the defensive rankings in terms of chance quality, expected goals against is the main stat that I was looking at. They're right there, neck and neck, near the top of the league. Um, it's different discussion. Of course, Victor Hedmonton is limited or can't play. And the fact that it's in question means that if he does play, it's limited. So I, I want to say it's even unless Victor Hedmonton's out. What do you think about that? I'm giving Columbus the advantage either way, but the advantage for me gets more pronounced without Hedman. I think, you know, the Blue Jackets, and again, you know, Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski, like dead on, those guys have been fantastic so far. And, you know, the good thing about Columbus is they have some different looks because you have those amazing two-way players at the top. You know, you have a guy in Ryan Murray who moves the puck very well. You have, a, you know, a shot-blocking ace in David Savard. So, you know, within that top four, they can really give you a lot of different looks. And, and then you look at the forwards, these are always five-man units. When you look, you know, right at the top, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Nick Foligno, even Alexander Tessier, you know, as young as he is, he knows the program. And that's what you have to do in the playoffs when it comes to defense. It really has to be all five guys working together. And Columbus knows that. They've done it before, and they've done it against Tampa. You know, I mean, we said this before when I was talking to Nick Foligno that – Columbus knew they, they couldn't cheat at all on their game plan. Everybody had to buy in and they had to play as mistake-free hockey as possible. And that's what they did last year. And it turned into a sweep. They've got the blueprint and they've got the personnel to do it. And that's why I give Columbus the advantage, even though Tampa Bay has some very good two-way players and, and obviously they have some very good defensemen. I just think this is, this is Columbus's bread and butter. Now, for goaltending, do you lean toward the team with the hottest goalie on the planet, or do you go with the team with arguably the best goalie year-to-year -year on the planet? Andre Vasilevsky, or is it Eunice Corpusalo? Who do you give the goaltending edge to? I'm going to give it to Corpusalo. Um, I think he's had a fantastic year. Yeah. For me with Vasilevsky, it's like I need to see him really prove it. You know, and it's, it's not necessarily a matter of him always being the second best goaltender in the series, but it has happened. And I, I just need to see him be a more consistent playoff difference maker. Whereas Corpus Allo, even though it's more of a, a small sample size, it's like you, you can't ask for any more than what he has provided for the Blue Jackets. And then, of course, you know, should he falter, you've got Merz Lickens who comes in cool as a cucumber and does his job. I, I just feel like Columbus is in such a great headspace right now when it comes to those aspects of the game. Whereas with Tampa Bay, the, 
there's at least some guesswork you know, from the outside, you know, for me, there's questions that Tampa Bay needs to answer, even though they are such an elite regular season team. Fair. Uh, it's interesting too. You know, if you look at the tandem of Corpus Allo and Rizlikens, they're, they're one, two in the entire first round and goal saves above average. So they're very well tested and performed extremely well against a very dangerous group of shooters. So they are prepared for the kind of attack that Tampa Bay is going to throw at them. Cause I think there's, they bring something similar to the table, the least enlightening. Uh, but I'm going to say even, and to me, that is my compliment to Corpus Allo. If, if I told you a month ago that I was calling a goaltending match between Corpus Allo and Vasilevsky, even you'd be like, all right, okay, Mr. Hot Take, get the hell out of here. But to me, Corpus Allo was that good. So I'll say that, you know, he's, I think he's good enough. He's been so good in the playoffs that it's at least not a distinct advantage for the Lightning on paper. But I still, over the course of a long series, I'm still going to bet on the guy who has been, you know, one of the best goalies in the world. I think he's best in a finalist three years in a row. Uh, and of course winning it uh, last year, but I think it's, it's so rare right now for a goalie to be that good. So consistently you have goalies yo-yoing year to year. Vasilevsky has been so consistently good. It's very impressive. So uh, I'm going to say that one's even. Um, intangibles are going to be interesting in this series. You know, um, there are a lot of series that have injury factors, but I think this one might be the most uh, prominent to watch in this first round or second round, whatever you want to call it, um, with Victor Hedman and Steven Stamkos. I think Hedman in particular, of course, Stamkos is extremely important, but what Hedman brings is crucial because we saw against the Leafs, Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think Liam Foody to a lesser extent, but Dubois, just his size, his height, his power, I don't think the Leafs had an answer for that. Uh, and even though the Leafs are a team with a couple big strong centers up the middle, uh, and Tampa does not have that that size and power, especially in the top six up the middle. So it puts more pressure on the defense to be the one, the ones who are going to neutralize Dubois when he's got a head of steam. And with Hedman out of the series, I don't know. I know the Lightning have other guys that have good size, like Sergeyev and, and Eric Chernak, but it, the proper package of size and skill, Hedman's the guy you need to shut down Dubois. Uh, and if he's not 100% or he's not playing, uh, that makes me think the series is going to be sneaky close. What do you think in terms of intangibles? Well, I'm going to go uh, with a different vibe here. For my intangibles, I'm looking at the fact that Columbus is in Tampa's head. And Columbus knows that they can beat the Lightning. I wondered, the Lightning, I mean, they have all the motivation in the world to win this series again. So I, I guess in a way I'm calling the intangible a tie because you have the, you know, you have last year's backdrop as the uh, the sort of preface for this series. So the question is, you know, can Tampa shake Columbus early on and establish themselves and say, okay, yeah, we can beat these guys. Or does Columbus take the first game or two and all of a sudden Tampa's like, oh, here we go again. Like, why can't we crack these guys? Mm -hmm. and, and obviously with every growing game, Columbus gets even more confident with their system and and more potent in that arena so that's that's the intangible to me is who wins the mental battle here yeah it's a really good point i know last year tampa bay had discipline discipline problems during the regular season and then they they reared their their head in the playoffs they got frustrating against columbus gave up a bunch of power play goals this season during the regular season same thing tampa a, a team that had trouble with discipline again so if they start to trail early and get frustrated they feel that pressure mounting which you could argue might be even more this year after last year's choke, then you never know. It could get out of there. It could kind of go wild. I'm not sure. Um, so let's make our series picks here. I, I, I'm impressed that Breezewad didn't rest on his laurels. He went and got what he felt were the pieces missing to, to beat Columbus or any team that has that 
combination of heavy and skill game. So you brought in Barkley Goodrow, Blake Coleman, Patrick Maroon in the offseason as well. So I think that's going to be the difference maker. I think Tampa can win in more ways now than it used to. So I'm going to say Lightning in six. I'm going to go Columbus in six. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like this is <laughs> – this is a year where there's going to be a lot of unpredictability. And even though Columbus beat them last year, I think a lot of people will say like, okay, well, Tampa's, they, they know the tricks now, but I just feel like this Columbus team is in such a good spot right now and they know how to beat Tampa Bay. And you, you know, you make a good point about the heavy guys that the lightning added, but I just feel like even though Tampa knows what Columbus is about right now, Columbus is still very confident in what they do. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say Columbus in six. I think it's gonna be a fun series, and I, I think you know if the blue. We know the Blue Jackets work hard, and that that can pay off a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think yeah, I think I do think going through each series in the East, I think we could see several close series. Another one I think is gonna be sneaky close is the Trots Bowl, the Capitals versus the New York Islanders, uh, and I think that's gonna be a ridiculously physical series. I think there's gonna be some just battered and bruised players after this one. Um, let's talk about offense first. I think that's the most obvious category to sort of sort through. No disrespect to the Islanders, but, you know, they're, they can't hold the candle to what Washington can do. Washington can roll two lines that are first-line caliber. And the Islanders, you know, it was nice to see Matthew Barzell finding it going in, in the deciding game against the Panthers. And Anthony Bovillier had a really nice series. Jordan Everly, clutch Jordan Everly keeps showing up. He's done it again. But let's just – I don't think we need to talk about offense even that much here it's 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 clearly the capitals it's the biggest advantage they're going to have in the series um and i think the defining element of the series is going to be how well the islanders weather the storm against what the capitals throw do you agree yeah certainly i mean you know you have ovechkin in his office uh, you have kuznetsov you have Oshie, you have so many weapons up there yakovrana this is going to be a series uh, sort of similar i think to toronto columbus going in where it's like who's going to win out style wise is it going to be the the high octane offense or is it going to be the defensive titans and i mean it's a bit different because washington has won a stanley cup with this group so they're a lot further along than toronto is but i think that's going to be the push and pull here is can the caps bust through on the islanders and you know when we're talking about offense that's how they're going to do it the islanders they have some weapons and they can get some clutch goals but that's not going to be what puts them over the top if they're to win this series they're going to do it in a defensive shell and and it's very possible but offense to the caps yeah mm-hmm. and i'm glad you said the word defensive shell because talking about defense the islanders they're a confounding team to me I, I it's hard to understand how they operate but i did you know by coincidence i was covering a lot of that series in the previous round so i got a closer look at just how they do it and it's bizarre if you look uh, in the regular season, they were top three in terms of most shot attempts allowed per 60. Yet they were 13th in shots allowed on goal. So they bend but don't break. They allow themselves to get blitzed a little bit, it seems, but they block so many shots. And it's kind of like this bend but don't break thing. And it's weird. I've said this before, but it's like, you know, I'm more of a stat guy than an eye test guy. But watching them against the Panthers, you can kind of see how the system works. And it's just they collapse. And it, there is a similarity to Columbus there, but they're just hard to penetrate. And they just block shots like crazy. So I, I do think the Islanders overall, I think I'd give them an edge for that reason. It's a more defining element of their game and they try to slow down the game. And they're another team you don't want to be trailing against as the Panthers saw. They, the only game they won was the game where they scored first, I believe. Um, whereas the Capitals, are, they were just fine. They're good in the penalty kill. 
but overall they're just an okay defensive team. They're not terrible, but they're not great. So I, I give a slight edge to the Islanders there. Yeah, I would give a definitive edge to the Islanders on defense, particularly how Washington played at the, I'll call it the end of the season, um, you know, sort of late February, early March, where they were a mess, you know, led by John Carlson and kind of all the way down. Defensively, they were a mess. Um, the Islanders, you know, they can clog up the middle and they can really make you have to, to fight for your chances. And, you know, Washington has those guys that will fight for their chances. You think about Oshie and Tom Wilson and players like that. But, you know, New York, they know how to defend. And, you know, they've played potent teams in the playoffs recently as well. I mean, they were the ones that downed Pittsburgh last year in a sweep. And that was a Pittsburgh team where Crosby and Malkin just couldn't get on track. And I think a big reason was how the Islanders played them. So for me, if the Islanders are going to win this series, it's obviously going to be a low-scoring affair, and they're going to be the ones that win the style war. Okay. Uh, goaltending is a weird one where, you know, it's a matter of, as it always seems to be the case in recent years, is which Braden Holpe are you going to get? And, you know, we saw the Holpe that was a hero in 2018, came in after Grubauer got the hook and led the Capitals to the Cup. Since then, it's been pretty nightmarish in the regular season for Holpe, kind of playing his way out of Washington. He probably is gone no matter what happens because Ilya Samsonov is ready to be a starter in the league. And with the cap, you know, staying flat, there's not going to be money, I don't think, to re-sign Holpe. So this is probably his swan song. Uh, but he was good in the round robin. And, you know, it's a small sample size, but with Holpe, every little sample matters. If, if it's good, Brayton Holpe, it's like, oh, is that going to be what we're going to get for the next couple months? On the other hand, the Islanders, you know, to me, their, their floor is higher uh, mm -hmm. with the tandem of Varlamov and Grice. You're going to get decent goaltending no matter what, but I don't think either guy is going to dominate and steal a game. So I'm given a slight edge to the Capitals. I don't feel very comfortable with it. Like it might be closer to even, but again, if, it's, if you're just like, okay, pick someone, you got, you got to pick one of these goalies to win a game. I'm going to say, okay, uh, Holtby's just being in deeper water. I'm going to go Holtby. What do you think? Mm. I'm going to go slight edge to the Islanders, and I, I will do so because it's a seven-game series. I, I know what you're saying about Holtby in one game, but if, if I needed somebody that I needed to just be reassured by, it would be the Islanders goaltenders. And, and again, maybe part of that is because of the guys in front of them and the contributions they have. But, you know, Grice and now Varlamov, you know, they, they know how to play in this system. And I feel there's no surprises with those guys. So for the purposes of just being as even keel as possible, I'll, I'll go with the Islanders. Okay. Uh, intangibles, again, it's funny. I'm not seeing distinct intangible advantages in a lot of these series, but I see sort of an overarching theme. And I see it again for this series. It's just trench warfare. And I, I think both teams are built pretty well for it. You know, the Islanders, especially with the check-in line, of course, and, you know, led by Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck. And even a guy like Jean-Gabriel Pajot is small, but he's he really plays a gritty game. He likes to mix it up, whereas the Capitals have this really heavy game, of course, led by Tom Wilson. So I think it's going to come down to who wins that battle in the trenches because it's going to be such a physical series. I still give the Capitals a slight edge there. Um but again, I don't know if there's a distinct edge. What do you think? Yeah, I wouldn't say a distinct edge. I, you know, one thing I was thinking of in terms of intangibles is if you look at this Washington team, they have one championship together, but you have to ask yourself, how much longer will this core actually be together? We've already mentioned Holtby. You know, you got to think about the Seattle expansion draft coming up relatively soon. 
TJ Oshie would be the perfect first captain for the Kraken. You know, he's from the area and he's got kind of a big contract that I'm sure Washington's like, you know what, TJ, uh, it's flat cap. Uh, kind of need to make some moves here. So I, I wonder if that core says to themselves, look, guys, this might be one of our last chances, maybe next year as well. Um, but it might be their last chance with Holtby. And that might be a bit of a, a little extra motivator. Let's, let's try to win one more as a group because we don't know how much longer we're all going to be together. Right. And I think another intangible to watch is just John Carlson's health. And it's strange going into this round, there are so many star players that are kind of in that murky status. We're going to get to more as we progress in this podcast, same with the West. And Carlson's another guy who, depending on the hour, his status, it's like he's probably going to be ready for game one, but it's a bit mysterious. And if he plays, how good is he going to be? Uh, I think that's a big determining factor because that's an advantage that Carlson is the best offensive defenseman on either team. And he really pushes the pace. He's a huge contributor. Uh, and also on the power play too, because he's a, he's a, I remember it's funny. It was Mike Bossy who told me this, that part of what makes Ovechkin so effective is that the threat of Carlson on the power play means you can't just put all your attention on Ovi. So if you remove Carlson from the equation, I think it's not quite as dangerous, dangerous uh, of a group. So it's something to watch as well. Uh, picking the series, you know, I, I really do think the Capitals are a better team, but I just like the coaching with the Islanders. Um, so I think it's going to be a closer series than it should be. Uh, I have the Capitals winning, but in seven games. I'm going to go Islanders in seven. I just, I feel, again, like, I feel like too many times when I do predictions, it's all chalk. And it never, it never turns out that way. True. So I'm going to say that the Islanders win that slight style war. Uh, obviously the Capitals are going to put up a great fight, but I, I think Islanders in seven. Okay. Uh, moving on to, I think what's going to be the most exciting series, uh, at least in the East, maybe in either conference in this round, which is Boston and Carolina. Two teams that I think are very similar other than in net, but I think their style of play and their roster construction is extremely similar. Um, so we could start breaking down the offense and it's weird. I think both teams are really reliant on one power line. Uh, we know that about the perfection line in Boston with Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak. They scored 47% of Boston's goals. Last year, it was 41%. So they're relying on them even more this year. They're even more top-heavy. Uh, and, you know, they weren't effective in the round robin, and Boston didn't really score. And, like, that's probably why. Uh, but Carolina, as exciting as they were, they were fantastic. Uh, but Svechnikov, Aho, Teravainen, they did almost all the scoring for Carolina in the first round. So if you neutralize them, I think you take – away a lot of what uh, Carolina does well so I'm gonna call it even just because to me they're just kind of carbon copies of each other they both have dominant first lines and uh, a deep forward group of guys that can play a gritty game and are good two-way players underneath those first lines so I say even what do you say yeah I might give a slight advantage to Carolina simply because again you know they played in a qualifying round series and they really sort of found their footing particularly Aho, Teravainen, and Sveshnikov. Uh, whereas you mentioned, Boston hasn't gotten on track yet. And I'm a little worried about the Bruins because of that. You know, they're going to be playing a team that's really firing on all cylinders right now and is in playoff mode already. And that, that, that to me would be concerning. So, like, offensively, we know the Canes can score. And uh, I'm going to say this now, just in case it comes true watch for Morgan Geeky. I'm going to say he's going to be an X factor because 
Um, you know, th this is going to come down to depth, I think, in terms of offense, because as you mentioned, the two top lines are so great. Um, somebody is going to have to step up on one team or another. Uh, I'm going to, I'm looking at Morgan Geeky on Carolina as a guy to watch. Okay. Uh, and breaking down the defense uh, again, you know, we don't know what Dougie Hamilton status is going to be. Let's do this again. Hedman, John Carlson. Now it's Dougie Hamilton. Is he going to be ready? Is he going to come back and not be fully up to game speed? We don't know. Um, but if we're, if we assume that Dougie Hamilton will factor into the series, uh, do you give an advantage to one team or the other? Tell me about the defense in the series. Again, I think I'll give a slight edge to Carolina based on how they've been playing. You know who I've really been impressed with is Joel Edmondson, uh, a guy who, you know, obviously with Dougie Hamilton out, um, has been sort of, I, I feel like he sort of seized a role with the Hurricanes. And obviously, you know, Jacob Slavin is the guy right now for Carolina. And, you know, he's going to be, I'm sure, tasked with, you know, facing down Bergeron's line. Um, but the depth they have in Carolina, I mean, they really didn't miss Dougie Hamilton. Can you imagine what they'll be like if Hamilton comes back and can be, you know, a pretty decent two-way contributor? That's like bonus, which is a really nice bonus to have at this time of year. I mean, Boston, they have clearly fantastic defensemen. You know, I mean, Chara is the old war horse. Um, but you look at Charlie McAvoy and Tori Krug and, you know, the depth they have, um, it, it's very good. And uh, again, I, I just feel like the Bruins haven't got on track yet. And the round robin did them no favors. Um, whereas Carolina, those defensemen, you know, they're, they're into it already. And, and they've faced some pretty good forwards already on the Rangers, guys like Panarin and Zibanejad. So I, I feel like they're in game form already. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I, I think I, I like both defense cores a lot. I think they're two of the best in the league. I think Carolina overall, the depth, I think they are the best in the league, especially Dave Hamilton in the lineup. And I think if you factor in the four cores, both have just really strong two-way forwards as well. As we mentioned, uh, both are both teams are good on the penalty kill. So I, I don't feel comfortable giving an edge to one. I just both think they do a great job defending. Uh, so to me, that's going to be another category that's even. And again, if you see the trend forming, I think this is going to be the closest series of the round. Um, Goaltending might be what decides it. And it should be an advantage for Boston, having Tuka Rask, who's been to multiple Stanley Cup finals and probably is going to be the Vezina Trophy runner-up this year. He's won another Vezina before. Uh, and, you know, it, it's kind of like the, the Tampa Bay-Columbus thing. If you asked me a month ago, I'd say, well, it's clearly Boston with the edge. Uh, I still think it is. You know, Peter Mrazek was quite good uh, in the first round. I was, I was impressed, especially because you never know what version of him you're going to get. But I still think, I know the Bruins are taking time to get up to speed and Tuka Rask wasn't ready right away. I, I just think that they're going to find it and Rask is going to find it. And, you know, all due respect to Mrazek, I just, I'm still going to bet on Rask over the course of a series to be the better goalie. So I, I give the advantage to the Bruins. Yeah, I would agree there. And I think it's an advantage because with Rask, you know that there's a high level uh, of there's a high floor, as, as you said earlier in the podcast with Tuka Rask. You know you're going to get a very good performance pretty much all the time. Peter Mrazek was definitely a difference maker against the Rangers. He had some fantastic acrobatic saves. Um, 
how long does that streak continue for? Because we've seen this with Mrazek before where he can go very hot and cold. And, you know, I mean, Carolina also got a great performance from James Reimer when they needed it on a back-to-back. So, it, you know, it's nice to have that option. But then Boston has Yarrow Halak, who's a starter – uh, pretending to be a backup. It's almost like uh, undercover boss. So, uh, you know, with the Bruins, I mean, they can't go wrong in net. And with Carolina, they've got two decent options, but there's a little more of a question mark in terms of consistency. And that's why I got to give it to the Bruins on this. Good. Okay. Uh, and intangibles. I think Carolina has a pretty distinct advantage on the intangible side. Uh, the Bruins are a team facing pressure. Their their core, their a lot of their most important players from the top line to Chara, David Krejci, Tukarask, all these guys are in their 30s now. They got to within one game last year. They lost Game Seven on their home ice, and now they've they've kind of squandered away the President's Trophy, dropping down to face a much tougher opponent than they would have faced under a regular playoff format. And you know, if we're being honest, they looked pretty sluggish and. No, I don't want to say disinterested, but they just didn't look good in the round robin. It's a small sample size, but you're facing another team that I think in Carolina showed just tons of confidence the way they played against the Rangers uh, in that first round. I think Carolina was the single most impressive team, in my opinion, in that round uh, among the qualifying round teams. So momentum-wise, you got the team playing with the most confidence, the team that looked like kind of almost groggy entering the round robin. I don't think you can end, underestimate Boston, of course, but I, I still think mentally there's a bit of an edge to Carolina going into the series. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I really like that point. So, you know, for my intangible, I'm going to go a different way. And I'm just going to say Dougie Hamilton Ooh. as the intangible, but it could go either way. You know, there's a guy that used to play for the Bruins. So, you know, there's going to be money on the board from him against his own his old squad. At the same time, I think the Bruins would probably delight in knocking Dougie down a peg once again and winning this series. So a little bit of extra motivation on both sides there. But I think you make a great point about overall momentum when it comes to Carolina. Okay, it's time to make a series pick. Who you got? Uh, I don't like this one, uh, but I'm going to go Carolina in six because I feel that they're firing on all cylinders right now and – I think Boston's going to be playing catch up. I'm going the Hurricanes in seven. Uh, I think, again, I, I think it's a very even matchup on paper. And theoretically, the edge should be the Boston's if I used goaltending as a tiebreaker. But it's one that's so close that I'm going with gut feeling on this one. I just, I just, I'm just sensing some magic in Carolina and watching the way that top line played. I don't know. I'm getting like a Dark Horse Stanley Cup run vibe from the Hurricanes right now. And yeah. It happens a lot in hockey, right? It wouldn't, they wouldn't be the first. And things never play out the way they're supposed to these days in the NHL, as we saw in the previous round. So I'm going Canes in seven. So that concludes the Eastern Conference edition of this prediction podcast. We will also be recording the West. So go find it if it's out there yet.